Hello there, everybody, and welcome to our review of Shadow of the Sith, the highly anticipated new Star Wars novel from Adam Christopher, covering everything in the middle of the sequel, or between the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy, including uh, the kidnapping of Lando's daughter, Luke Skywalker, and Exegol, Palpatine, Rey, all this stuff. There is so much to talk about in our review, and we're going to dive all in, into all of it uh, right now. But before we do so, please hit that like button down below, subscribe to our channel for continued Star Wars content, and then comment below. Let us know what you thought of Shadow of the Sith. Was this one of your favorite Star Wars books you've read in a long time? This is definitely one of the most high-profile releases we've had. So we're going to start with our non-spoiler review. If you haven't watched one of our book reviews, we do non-spoiler first. We're going to give you kind of our thoughts on the story, the characters, the way it's written and all tied together. And then we'll give you a score. Then we're going to dive into some of the spoilery topics, some of the big plot points that we don't want to spoil for all of you who haven't read the book. So if you haven't read it, uh, we'll let you know when we'll transition into spoilers. So to kick this off, we'll talk about just general thoughts on the story and the way this uh, whole thing is presented and structured. And Sonic, what were your thoughts on everything that was uh, this here in this package? of a, It was a pretty big book. I believe it is the second longest Star Wars canon novel in terms of pages. The only one longer is Thrawn Ascendancy, Lesser Evil. So this was a pretty big book. How did you enjoy this book overall? Yeah, I mean, it was 500 pages almost. It was long, and yet somehow I wanted more. And I think that is ultimately my biggest issue right now with the sequel trilogy is that 7 and 8 combined and 9, those feel like the last parts of a grander story. But this is, as a whole, this book, Shadow of the Sith, encourages me a lot because now it feels like, yeah, while that might be the case as a cinematic trilogy, this era is set up for something honestly kind of fantastic. I I liked a lot of like just the lore and concepts that were just thrown out there in episode nine. And here Adam Christopher like really chews on them, adds more of his own. There's a lot of things that I think the Mandoverse era will be really exploring and touching on at least beginning to touch on in season through season three and up to season four um, and possibly through that as well. I, I love this book. I think um, as much as it was a long Star Wars book in canon, especially it doesn't read like one. It is a very snappy read. And yet every chapter isn't like dragged out with exposition dumps or anything that, you know, it's definitely leading into like an animated show or something like there is a clear outline of events. There are things definitely hinted in that's classic stars, stories that aren't touched upon just yet, but the outline of events that has been kind of prescribed in this book, it's very cohesive. It's very clear. It teases us when it absolutely needs to, it digs in when it absolutely needs to It throws in a whole new era that consider in star Wars that I don't think we've even touched upon in legends um it makes a lot of the stuff in the first 10 years of the 30 years very interesting makes the middle 10 years even more interesting and makes the final 10 years that we've kind of gotten some working with rise of kylo ren just as interesting again because now there's some connective tissue there that i hadn't considered and there's a special appearance of a character that really changes how i look at those final 10 years before uh, The Force Awakens, every single thing clicked. This book was perfectly paced. I think there was maybe three or four chapters that I felt were a bit of a lull. 
And honestly, that was during like an action sequence, not like a story sequence to me. Like it was when there's a lot of fighting happening. And that I think that's a that's a at the end of the day a pro that if you can if the the slight downturn of a book or the slight middling part of a book is just an epic fight scene or chase scene and everything else is just that great. Yeah, that should tell you just how fun and how hard it was to put down this book. Like it really could have swallowed under the weight of everything happening. It could have just gone way too much and be exposition dumps, all these different things that it definitely could have been. And Christopher just perfectly navigates it. I agree with that. I love this book too. There was, this is the closest we've ever gotten to having a legend style book in canon. And by that, I don't just mean that it's, you know, people will take that as, oh, it's written like, you know, it's better because it's like legend. No, what I mean is that this book tries to create new lore, but it also heavily expands on current lore, but it's not afraid to hold or doesn't want to hold back from changing things or adding things or expanding on things. And it, it works with that both in the confines of the Rise of Skywalker and the sequel trilogy, but also by giving our our main characters like Luke and like Lando meaningful plot points and meaningful things about their lives that we learn about and that add to their histories. And I, I, I think particularly with Luke as well, one of the things I loved about this that did really strike me as Legends-esque, especially very much so like Air of the Empire-esque when we didn't really have other Legends material, like when it was kind of creating stuff up on its own was that Christopher will refer to things that we've never seen before a lot in Luke's past or in the pasts of some of these other characters. And he'll just like hint at something happened here, but you don't really know what it is. And so there's like a, a playful creation aspect to this novel that I absolutely loved. And I loved being like, wait, did that actually happen? Or did we, do we know about that yet? I loved trying to think beyond and trying to see all these other possibilities. Cause there's so much here it's a 30 year timeline. There's so many things to do with these characters, so many stories, so many adventures we can see out throughout this whole period that I love this. The, this is kind of kickstarting that we're finally getting to it. We're finally doing it. And I thought Shadow of the Sith does it really well. I agree. The pacing, I think, is quite good. I think the middle act is the slowest for me, just in particular because it focuses more so on its main narrative, more so on the chase aspect of its main narrative and less on the like lore expansion part of its narrative, like it does in the third act and the first act. For me, I was absolutely hooked to the first act. Like I, I absolutely loved the first 20 chapters or so. I was at, so locked in. I could not have loved it more. Um, and I really, really loved the ending as well. The middle was good and it kept everything flowing together, but it does take a break from like, more expansionary aspects of the narrative like which is the parts i was kind of excited for and i thought it delivered on um but overall yeah i would say this novel definitely lives up the hype to the hype for me and it gets me excited for the future of what we can see not just with more expansive star Wars stories in this era that tell about characters we don't know but also let's see more lando stories let's see more luke stories we'll see more leia and han stories we'll see more of everything in this time period. And I think that's what I'm most excited for having come off this book. But let's get into some of the characters because there are a lot of main characters in this book. There is Luke and Lando, which we knew about who they're on the cover. 
There's also the kind of main villain, Kaiza, who is on the cover and they released concept art of her. We're not going to spoil too much about who she is and what are the circumstances regarding her powers and her, you know, whole the mythology around that character. But she is the main villain. So we'll talk briefly about her role as the villain, as well as Ochi Bastoon, who's one of the big characters and is kind of translated mostly from Greg Pak's work on his Darth Vader run. And then we have uh, Ray's parents, Dathan and Miramir, who uh, are a, a central part of this story. So those are all the main characters that we've kind of had revealed. So like, what were your thoughts on the way these were handled and, and kind of who was your standout set of characters in this novel? That's, I don't know, standout is hard. I, I really liked everyone. Um, I will say that Dathan and Miramir, as fun as their story is, to a degree, like, they're not plot devices, but they are far more beholden to this plot. A lot of their story is completed in this, but they would probably be maybe my least favorite, and I did not dislike them at all, but they're my least favorite because they felt the ones that we know what's going to happen to them. And we, what we got was really just their nuclear family, that unit. Um, just, you know, it's just us versus everyone out there. But at the end of the day, we don't get to know much about their backstories, much about, especially Dathan being a strand cast, a Palpatine strand cast, right? That was a big thing, like a concept introduced in The Rise of Skywalker. And we get a lot of that stuff touched upon, but it's not delved into. And that ultimately still is the most exciting things about those characters. And Mirror Mirror, her story is a blank slate even after reading this book. Just small interactions between how and her and Dayton first connected. But outside of that, she's also not very much a character that's explored from a strong POV sense like Dayton is. At least with Dayton, we get some of it. And because Dayton is quite literally just a blank slate of a character because he was never meant to be, you know, a person in the galaxy is always meant to be another vessel for Palpatine. His character is almost sort of empty-ish at points. I, I, I would say my favorite of this book has to be Lando. I enjoyed a lot of the Luke stuff, but again, Luke is such a big character and how Luke has been used in the Mando series and Book of Boba, Boba Fett. It seems to me that he's a character that they were very cautious about giving too much away like we get to see him content and he has some really interesting things with him personally with his visions and all that that we get to encroach upon a little bit but we never really get to dive deep into because then it becomes a chase then it becomes about helping this family out and then understanding all the stuff about exegol and we don't necessarily get a full answer there. So I think that's what bumps him down below Lando for me. Because Lando, I feel like for the first time ever, is written as an interesting character. Lando in Legends has this syndrome of like, yeah, he's always going to be the scoundrel. Yeah, and he he definitely developed. He definitely grows throughout a lot of Legends continuity. But of all characters, I think with his story, how it's set up in an... Again, the Rise of Skywalker about losing his daughter, 
being targeted by first order, first order precursors, all these rebel leaders losing their kids. His story was always meant to be a little tragic and kind of pull him away from this gambler, lavish lifestyle. And this story really sets up not only that, but allows him to really process a lot of things. But he still wants to do good experiences of being in the rebellion around Luke, Leia, and Han, being a good person, have forever altered him. It, it's like when someone has been down for so long to see them make that rise and then adjust and not beat themselves over and over again about the things that they didn't necessarily have any control over. I thought that was the biggest point of his story. It turned out great. And I love his ending. I, I like where it puts him in regards to the sequel trilogy. I think a lot of the writing here at the end of the day for all, justifies a lot of decisions for characters. Luke may be the only one that I don't have much on because, again, he is so massive that we can't do much on. Kaiser was Kaiser, Kaiser, how are you saying their name? Fun character. Um, I loved a lot of the dark side stuff, magic especially, that came with it. Um, and like you said before, like the teases of these other characters and their stories and how they have a role but also a relationship with Luke, it was great to me. I... I'm forgetting her name, the one that was um, redeemed by Luke. In, uh, I'm trying to forget what her name is. Oh, it's like Comat or something like that? Comat, yeah. Uh, she was a fun character. She had emotion, but was emotionless. Strong warrior, but also a healer of sorts. Like I really enjoyed every character story. I did too. And especially, I think Lando was one of the standout characters, at least particularly from an emotional standpoint, because Luke, we don't really get under his skin that much. We see him more as the almighty, all-powerful Luke Skywalker that we've seen so many times in Legends and that we've you know, heard rumored about in later canon stuff in the sequel trilogy. He's that myth. And I think in that regard, I enjoyed his story the most. Lando, though, since this is all dealing with the kidnapping of his daughter and still the fact that that happened like 10 years before this book and he still hasn't gotten over it. And he's still, everything he does is done with the intention of, I have to find her. And, and it, we see that mentality of him. It weighs on him that even if I find her, she probably doesn't even remember who I am or she does. She won't even recognize me and I won't recognize her. I've missed her growing up. It's all that type of stuff from, from Lando that we don't really ever get to see. He's always the guy who's smiling, the smug guy who, is just out for a good time. And, and this, he uses that uh, as a device to try to further getting his his life back, the, the life he wants, but he's trying to avoid because he can't have it anymore. And we don't really get explained what happens to the mother of his child, but I think there's a good story there that we can explore as well. Kaiza, I don't, you don't necessarily find her character as interesting i think but it's the the lore around her character and what's happening to her character is really the most fascinating part of the book for me as somebody who really loves dark side lore and stuff like that i found that interesting komat was a good character to add to it also adds to more lore and that's kind of who i was particularly referencing with like luke this whole past with luke meeting people that we don't even know who they are and like having these adventures with people and they're like oh it's it's master luke skywalker he redeemed me he saved me like stuff like that i want to see all that stuff and we, we have so many things just presented to us that are so exciting and as well as dathan and miramir i think 
there's more to their story as well, especially Dathan. I want to learn a lot more about his past and how he eventually gets to where we see him at the beginning of this novel. And again, the writing is fantastic. Adam Christopher nails dark side writing. I cannot wait to see what he does in the future with Star Wars. I think he needs to absolutely go after some dark side stuff, whether it's more stuff about the Sith Eternal, which I think he makes far more interesting here because we get some real substance to it. It's not just an idea. It's it's we see it, you know, and, and um, we see it in action. I want to see him do that. I'd also love to see him do pre Phantom Menace Sith, maybe some Sith during the age of the High Republic or Sith in, right before the High Republic while they're still in hiding. There's so many things he could do here, or even even old old stuff like pre Kotor, whatever pre Kotor looks like in canon. I'd love to see him lay a lot of that foundations for Sith because there's some things he does here with like really old ancient Sith that I found so good, and there's some of my favorite stuff. So I think that'll move us into our final thoughts and then score for this book. Uh, out of five, Senek, what would you give Shadow of the Sith? Oh, that's tough. There's so much of this book that I absolutely loved and I crave even more. Like, honestly, I would not mind like a prequel to this book and a direct sequel. That's it could make it could be truly what like the Aftermath trilogy was supposed to be like. I think that's how strong the story is, even if the scale ultimately does feel a little narrow ish it doesn't really feel galaxy changing at times i'm gonna give it a four and a half i think this definitely filled in a big gap that i was looking for it's given me a transition into the sequels it's made me appreciate the sequels even more and makes me feel like now there's a bit more of an outline for explaining a lot of things leading into seven and eight and nine and hopefully we get a novel or a show or something that transitions us eight to eight between eight and nine because if we keep on getting strong chunks and pieces of lore and interesting ideas like we got in this book that we're hopefully getting even more of Amando and all those things it seems like the sequel trilogy is not only going to be saved as people are going to say but i think it'll be probably the most fascinating thing um to come out of the three trilogy the gaps between each tr trilogy that we've gotten so far i think it really has serious potential and this book Right now is a crown jewel of that. So yeah, four and a half for me. That's a good rating. And that's also what I was going to give it a four and a half. I think for a long time in this book, this is my favorite Star Wars canon book for a really long time. I still have to think about it and maybe reread it because uh, I do love Bloodline, but I think it's right up there. I, I really love the fact that this is able to explore so many different aspects and really kind of feels like it's kickstarting our real Star Wars canon book like era like high, with between this and the high republic we're getting stories that are actually you know mattering and, and telling significant points in the history of the galaxy and oh this is so good i i think for me four and a half right now is uh a strong rating and maybe even on further rereads and whatever subsequent material comes out this could be even better so that's the end of our non-spoiler section of this video if you haven't watched the video or the read the book then now's your time to click off but before you do so please hit that like button down below and subscribe to the channel also comment below let us know what maybe you're most excited for with shadow of the sith now after hearing our thoughts but we are going to jump into some of the more spoilery topics right now uh so there's a lot of things we can talk about with spoilers obviously there's not too many like crazy plot point spoilers in this book because the main thing that happens at the end is ray's parents are killed and we already saw that in the rise of skywalker uh but 
we do get there and we can talk about how that was presented in this novel. Adam Christopher said he had a very hard time writing that when we saw him at Star Wars Celebration. Uh, but I also want to heavily talk about the Sith Eternal stuff in particular, uh, the connection and the bridge between the Aftermath books, Acolytes of Beyond, with the Sith Eternal and then through Kaiza and, and Komat, uh, how all that's done. In, in particular, I want to talk about the mask. And I because I think Exum Panchard is has the potential to be like the first great early Sith thing that we can see. Like there's so much, and that's why I love this novel, is because there's so much in legends that that builds off its each other. And like you you see references in you know, Spectre of the Past to stuff that happens in the X-Wing books and stuff that happens in the early Empire, as well as like Kenobi referencing Sherrod Het and like all these things, you know, everything that can connect, can connects. And so far in canon, a lot of the star stories have tied to the movies, but they don't really like reference other novels. And it's not that they contradict other novels. They just never really talk about the other novels. It's like, it's like, they are such small scale secular stories that they don't really connect with anything. And I loved here how shadow of the Sith, not only references aftermath or other things that have happened in this time period, Mandalorian, all of that, as well as the films, but it is pulling things from all over Canada. It's pulling stuff from the Darth Vader, Charles soul line, Darth Vader, Greg Pack line. It's pulling, it's, it's everything. And so I think besides uh, resistance reborn, this is probably the most connected book to the overall canon and i think exum exum penchard has a chance to be like my new favorite thing that the like extended star wars canon meaning books and comics has really created because other than charles soul nobody's really gone in and tried to build on old sith stuff or old sith relics or old like the 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 sheer darkness and and horror aspects of the sith what were your thoughts on kind of the, some of those sith eternal stuff kaiza uh the mask all of that i i loved all of it i mean i thought a lot of it was crazy in terms of like oh that's that's happening but also extremely effective um i think i i don't think the dagger will ever stop being like silly to some degree, and the Rise of Skywalker, like, oh, it perfectly lines up with the sewage and all that. It's like, oh, okay, like, sh sure. Um, but I did like how it became like it was it was drawing upon like the energy of people, like as he drew blood. Like, Ochi is already kind of crazy in his mind. His eyes have been burned out, ears, all that's been affected. But in the Greg Pack line, he's just like a funny idiot, like. I'm also a student like crashes and kicks doors. I, you know, I kick down door, down doors and I take ass and kick, I, like, it just, it's like hilarious how he does it. Like everything is slightly wrong. He's like, Oh, I'm Crimson Dawn. Oh no, I'm this. Like there's even references to that, which I really enjoyed. Like this is a book that has a lot of connections, but just seeing like how the dagger works, how it, like it's compelling him. Like I'll be healed if I, I can go to Exegol once I fulfill like what this, you know, it's drawing on me like it's hot, it's cold at the same time. It's not really just bleeding people out. It's like drawing it away from them. Like I, I, I really liked how it just felt very arcane um, in that sense. Like we've gotten a lot of night sister magic and all that, and that's cool. Um, but it's not necessarily 
dark side. Like it is darker, but I wouldn't in my mind personally call it dark side. This is like truly dark, twisted, like wrong. And it that just that object itself has already been improved there. The fact that like he's these people like appear and then disappear all at once, like they were like ghastly specters. Very cool. We see them on Exegol chanting like Revan, Revan, Revan. It's like, all right, like they're really doubling down. Like, this is all the Sith leading up to this point. Like, they all have a real connection or knowledge, at least, of Exegol. Um, so it's making Exegol, you know, almost on par with Korriban or Morban, whichever one you go with. Um, so I'm, I'm really liking the development there. Uh, the fight with Luke. I think I, I mentioned it when we were when we first saw the excerpt, excerpt. I really like just how Luke is more able to do all these amazing things because he has hope. Because he he literally says, "I will never give up." I like those qualities of Luke more so than Luke is the most powerful person ever. It's not because he's got he's not the chosen one like Anakin he's not pure like okay like yeah he's obviously got a strong bloodline in him but what makes him so much more compelling is despite his lack of knowledge despite him him being pretty cognizant especially in canon of like there are things that I'll never be able to reach like there's a whole part of like his fight with Kiza on the old droid command ship where he's like I try to protect the books put them in a location but like ah the whole place is coming down I won't be able to save that and that's so much information and knowledge lost I like that Luke is like I don't know everything, and and he's in his encounters with these crazy Sith Eternal provide him also a great opportunity for all these things, but he's losing it because you know that's the story dictates that it's going to be a fight here. He's trying to save someone else with the goodness, the kindness of his heart. That's what has always made him strong. That fuels his strength. It's not like his midichlorians feel his like oh i'm a good person inside it's that's always been the strongest point for me so i like that i will say the one thing i don't want to call it a concern but i think when it comes to the sit eternal it's like i i don't know just how much they developed here outside of like ghastly specters that made me go like yeah that's like i can really understand how there are like thousands of them in Exegol, like I still wanted a little bit more clarity there. Like, see, like I think like elements of like getting Beaumont in the story being part of like the excavation dig and getting pride, like characters literally in the Rise of Skywalker. I thought that was a nice touch. I just wish we got a little bit more of like people that were on Exegol, even if we don't actually see them. There's thousands of those guys chanting and that sort of Coliseum setting. Here it felt like there's only like 10 to 20, you know, of like beings involved, which I thought was interesting. I don't know if I loved that at all times. I think it worked for the narrowness of the story, but I wish there was a little bit more concreteness to them because they're quite literally ghastly specters. They disappear as the lights go off. It's like it's they're there. They're creepy. They're cultists. We know all these things. But there's a little bit less tangibility at points, and I want that to be explored. I think that's where maybe Christopher got told by upper higher ups, like, nope, we're not going to touch the people who are literally working on Exegol and all those all that stuff yet. So I understand that. Um, but the best part about the Sith Eternal again goes back to Anakin Skywalker, because after that whole fight and everything, 
I feel like they're playing a role in why Anakin as a force ghost is not at peace because he is suffering. See him as the older version. This, um, who's the actor? I don't know. Sebastian Shaw's version of uh, Anakin. And then he's like hurting inside a little bit. There's got to be something going on there because I think whatever the Sith Eternal is, they've managed to screw up Force Ghost too. They've managed to at least screw with the Chosen One a little bit. Yeah, I, the Anakin thing is that was my favorite scene probably in the entire novel. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The fact that we got to see like, I mean, it is so Lord of the Rings inspired, but it's like a ghost, Anakin's ghost fighting other ghosts in a duel uh i mean it's just the stuff that like you would dream of seeing on screen and like i know we all want to see that like end of rise of skywalker scene with ray versus palpatine where you get to see the ghosts of all the jedi and then you get to see the ghosts of all the Sith, like that type of thing that'd be really cool but i i love that, that scene um it was just yeah it was just fantastic it like i i don't know how to describe how well the dark side stuff is portrayed here and just everything that Luke envisions, everything that he goes through, like Christopher is able to write the dark side, probably the best since I've seen maybe somebody like Drew Carpetian write it, where you're like, you just feel the chaos. You feel the, the evil, this like the, the flashback that Luke has when he sees uh, Exum's mask and, and you see the entire history of Exum yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Pritchard with, and just brutal, like, bloody detail uh and you see this guy's life encapsulated like, i want to see that story but luke just it, the horror of it and then especially listening to it on audiobook as well the way they do that uh, the screams like all the effects they use it's it's incredible and and it's those types of scenes that made me love fall in love with a lot of star wars legends back when i read it the first time it's that that darkness that you don't usually get in star wars you know proper like the the films and and stuff like that it's more made for general public consumption like that's where books and comics the lesser consumed stuff has the ability to really dive into the darkness of the, the the really the disturbing horror aspects of the dark side i want to see a lot more of that uh, i think we could probably talk about and maybe this would be one of the things that finishes up our discussion of spoilers about the connections to the rise of skywalker in particular because there are a lot of like things that set us out onto this rise of skywalker path uh you mentioned general pride who is in this book before he is general pride uh as well as beaumont kin so there are a lot of rise of skywalker connections um one of the things i also really liked about pride's uh role in this was they they brought back the sector authority which is like something random from like the early early Orp early City, days yeah. of uh of star wars with um the original han solo adventures trilogy uh, we do have the death of miramir and david and uh you and i were talking about this a little bit before we start recording uh about the way they're killed off and and the way ochi is also killed off and connected to um, the Rise of Skywalker as well as Lando's role in Pasana and how he's using that as kind of a base to where we ultimately see him find our main crew in the Rise of Skywalker. I, I wanted your thoughts on some of the overall connections to the Rise of Skywalker in particular, especially the way this kind of the book ends really as if there won't be kind of a sequel as, as if like it is kind of setting up our thing, our characters and our things directly into the Rise of Skywalker. 
Yeah, I think that comes down to the point of where the story kind of splits. Because um, for a long time, it's Lando and Luke, which is a dynamic we have never really seen much of, other than kind of them being stereotyped of like, oh, Luke is the hero and Lando is the charismatic spunkler. Like we got, again, a great character evolution for Lando. That what's and this dynamic of like respect but being very different people was always implied in a lot of these legend stories but here we got to really dive into that and i thought it was really great um but the story does diverge where a lot of it is like luke has these visions of exegol 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 and once he fails to save kaiza slashes up the mask um cool action sequences all all, all that stuff happens he thinks Exegol's done to a degree. Like that's what was haunting him. Like it's this guy in the mask, which again, I think is also just to go into a bit of a tangent here. We, it's always funny to remember that Lando actually had, saw the mask a moment on the Imperialis in the Lando miniseries from Charles Soul. And that played a huge role in the Charles Soul book. And it's so interesting how, Charles Soule took this like very arcane, strange magic, very different Sith that we've ever seen and created and fleshed it out. And then Adam Christopher in that same way is like, yeah, well, I will use that as a reference point. Literally, Lando saying, oh, I kind of get it. But then to create this whole different thing with X and Panchard that felt very even earlier than Tales of the Jedi was Legends of like even more arcane. But the but once Exegol's story is kind of wrapped up, when Luke kind of finishes that part, and then it just separate that story separated away from Dathan and Miramir, instead of being a part of all that kind of jumbled together, kind of splits up midway through the book of like, okay, these people on the run, this threat of Exegol. I think that's where the story has that flaw. Again, like we said, Dathan and Miramir are good to great characters throughout this book but they're so nuclear they're so condensed in their story i'll say personally on a technical level i did not love that we saw so much dayton povs and he's a pretty bland simplistic character he's an empty vessel because he was always meant to be one um but then when he dies we don't get a pov of him his last thoughts before his death and then miramir his wife who we get like some like interaction between him and Dathan, but never really a POV has the final POV. And it was so strong for me as a final POV that I was like, well, where were like at least some tidbits of her, what she's experiencing as they're fighting to save Ray and save their lives as a family. I wish I could have seen a little bit more of that leading into the finale. Because once they split up the Exegol and the family situations into two different arcs. It allows Lando and his story kind of to thrive. It allows Luke's story to thrive, but it pulls down Dathan and Miramir's story. It pulls down Ochi's story a bit, and they're all kind of neatly wrapped up. But to know that, you know, Dathan and Miramir just died floating out in space right after they left Jakku, and this idiot Ochi took the beads of the Aki Akis and he's like, oh, of course, that's where they are. Like, it's great planning by Miramir. Um, but man, Ochi literally died because he's a drunkard who right into it too much. I had pretty similar thoughts. I felt like, especially because the first act and, and really most of the second act with Dathan and Miramir is, doesn't feel like 
it's going to be the same book that they die in, right? Like it, it feels very much so like we're just beginning their adventure. And then when they say very close to the end of the second act, probably beginning of the third act ish, we need to take Ray somewhere and hide her. Then you start to realize, okay, they're going to die. But I, I kind of felt like, yeah, that it, that seemed like something that might've been more so like a, a mandate by the publisher, the way both of them died, both Nathan and Miramir and Ochi. I thought all of it was fitting. I kind of like how they die so quickly after dropping her off on Jakku because it is makes it even more tragic that Ray's like expecting her parents to come back for the next uh what what is it 14 years and they never do but they immediately died like, like they had no even it's shot of her neck yeah it's sudden so, yeah yeah so I really I actually really like that but again I w- I kind of wish we had and that's where further development of her parents will will help I wish we had more with them to kind of see different sides of them because we really only see the side of them on the run. But overall, the connections, I I agree. I think I feel like they feel the most forced because it feels like a mandate of like, you have to get here, but you can tell whatever story you want to get here. Well, the story didn't necessarily call for it, but you knew you had to get there. So the third act is where like the epic conclusion to Luke's story feels amazing and the more emotional side to Lando's story feels relevant to the sequels but uh the date the mirror mirror stuff feels like it's coming and you know it's coming but doesn't need to be here already that's i think to me that was my biggest like slight disappointment with it was i was i was based on the first two acts i was hoping we'd get more from them and even though I kind of figured we wouldn't before this book started. But anyway, I think that wraps up our spoiler section. We talked a lot about a lot of different things here. Uh, let us know down below what you thought of all of this stuff. What was your favorite part? What was your favorite character? What was your favorite plot point? Do you like all of the new Sith stuff? Do you want to see more? Let us know all of that down below. And if you haven't, please hit that like button and subscribe to our channel. It really helps us out with the YouTube algorithm so we can talk to more Star Wars fans like yourselves. Thank you all so much for watching, and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.